It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When it comes to football, you always want to know who your leaders are, the guys who will step up when the team needs somebody to step up. Who are going to be those guys this year and who will be the captains for the Alabama Crimson Tide? Our Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Very good. One month till spring practice. Can we make it? Can we make it one more month? In one month, the 2023 football team is practicing on the field. That is super exciting. Jimmy, I'm going to be honest. As a society, I'm not sure we can make it. As a football fan, I can make it. As a society, I'm not so sure we don't deserve a meteorite uh, the size of New York City to hit this planet. Um, we may need a total redo, but that's for another podcast. Jimmy, one thing that Bama Online brought up today, I thought this was a really interesting article from our main man, Charlie Porter, Potter, not Porter, Charlie Potter. Um, he said the potential captains leaders for Alabama's football team. And, you know, I hadn't thought about it because I thought leadership was something that uh, – you know, was missing from last year. I I harped on it all the time on this podcast that I didn't think uh, our two guys who were our best players were vocal enough, and I'm not blaming them. That's just how they roll. Um, But – and they led themselves pretty well, and they did all they could to help Alabama win, but they have, like, this ingrained uh, competitiveness, this will to win that maybe some other guys don't have that need a little push. So it's going to be interesting to see who the leaders are for this next team. Of course, you want to want it to be whoever wins the quarterback battle between Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, or one of the freshmen, whoever it is. But let's take them out of the equation because we don't know that they're in a posture to do that just yet. I mean, you always want it to be your quarterback. Arguably, quarterback is the most important position in sports. But aside from that, Here's some names that were thrown out. Clellan, Roydale Williams, Jermaine Burton, Ja'Cory Brooks, J.C. Latham, Seth McLaughlin, Chris Braswell, Deontay Lawson, Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid, and Malachi Moore. Here's my problem. When I look at all those names, the, the only two that pop out that I think, yeah, I think I could see that working, would be J.C. Latham and Deontay Lawson. Um, Dallas Turner is the kind of guy, you know, immensely talented – but he also, man, he he sort of plays beyond the whistle from time to time, as we've seen. Um, Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton, I'm going to have a hard time buying into one of our receivers being one of our leaders for next year because I haven't seen a receiver step up in a leadership role when we've needed one in the past year. Jason McClellan, Roydale Williams, that sounds great. I mean, maybe they could be like a Brian Robinson type situation here. But um, – we're not even sure those two guys will be the starters. I mean, some of the freshmen may overtake them. Um, and then who was Seth McLaughlin? Uh, that would be a good story. I, I think that would be a really nice story, but I I can't buy it. I mean, J.C., you know, certainly uh, J.C. Latham has the bigger name and the bigger draw. Kool-Aid McKinstry is intriguing, 
I can see that. I guess I could see Kool-Aid's being a, a leader for next year. But Malachi Moore is a guy that uh, I'm not – I would love it to be Malachi Moore. I would love it to – I'm an Alabama kid, all these things. But his play and his playing time have diminished since his freshman year. So I guess it's a little concerning that list that was thrown out to me. Those are all great points, and I agree uh, across the board. Uh, I've, I've already had these thoughts before about the same, you know, the list that Charlie Potter put out is is certainly the list. I mean, this is the list you go by. I mean, it's not going to be anybody else. It's going to be those guys and a group sort of forming, you know, from that list. And on the one hand, I'm like, hey, this could be a real problem. I don't see the obvious leaders, but people will make too much of that. And, and, and this is just my feeling about sports in particular, whether you're talking about college football, NFL, pro baseball, college baseball, high school, you know, baseball. It, look, I don't think it's as important as other people think it is. And I might be disagreeing with Nick Saban, really rough company. Uh, and, and I'm, and I'm, I guess I'm sure coach, but I think each kid taking the responsibility to be as good a player as they can possibly be is, is all you need from leadership. I mean, that that's it. That's the whole thing. I'm not a big fiery speech guy. I mean, the, these guys are now basically professional athletes. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know about the rah-rah stuff. I, I just know this. We look at this list and go, who are the leaders? This is going to be terrible. There's no leaders. Whereas a year ago, the list was awesome. It was almost endless. It looked like the best class of leaders we'd ever had with Bryce and Will and Jordan Battle as a leader of the secondary and Henry Toa Toa with a lot of natural leadership skills. Emil Ekior is one of the best kids on the team. Tyler Steen showing up is his comes from a family of war heroes, and he's the smart kid from Vanderbilt and and, and a great guy. And of course, Bryce uh, and, and and Gibbs coming from Georgia Tech. I mean. There were a lot of self-starters. There was a lot of obvious guys to lead. And I bet the same exact people that will be worried about not having leadership this fall were 100% convinced that last fall we had great leaders and then they became disappointed in those leaders. So I'm just saying, I, I don't, especially after last year, I think this is sort of not as important. Secondly, I don't think we know these guys as well as we knew the last group, a lot of new new guys or a lot of behind-the-scenes guys that are now at the forefront. I'm looking forward myself to some of these uh, spring interviews when when the uh, beat writers get to interview uh, kids on the team and we sort of get to know them and their personalities better. I think that might make us feel better about this. I'm just looking forward to those interviews more than normal. In terms of who here's kind of a weird answer on the offensive line. I you know, Latham is fiery. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a great leader. Seth might be a great leader, but he's also fighting for a position. Seems like Seth should never feel comfortable that he's got a starting spot. I don't know that that makes for a great captain. I think maybe the best leader on that offensive line might be Tyler Booker, but he's like still in diapers football wise you know i mean he's a true sophomore that started one game be crazy to call him the leader but he's the guy that sort of checks all the leadership boxes 
I think like next year, Tyler Booker is the unquestionable leader of that group. Uh, it's just his youth. It'll be interesting to see if Nick makes him a true sophomore on the leadership committee, the leadership group. I, I would look for, for maybe that to happen, which is probably unprecedented. You know, Oos and CJ Dupree's brand new here. Wide receivers tend to not be team team guys. I mean, we've had some. We've had some that were good leaders, actually, but that's against the grain. <clears throat> I, I think Jace McClellan probably on offense, along with J.C. Latham is my answer. And then defensively, Malachi, definitely. But again, like we were talking about with Seth, and like you pointed out, Luke, it's, Malachi may or may not play a huge role. He, he's certainly going to be a starter in nickel or dime. I don't know that he'd be a starter in regular. Uh, of course, we play nickel more than anything else. But I think Malachi is is definitely a guy on defense. Deontay Lawson, I guess he's going to be – he just hadn't played a ton, but he's played quite a bit. He's a natural leader. I, I, I think I bet Deontay wants to lead, and that's a good thing. Uh, on the on the defensive line, you know, a Boigby, right? Personality for it. Tim Smith, another guy. Jimmy, we don't. Yeah, but we, again, I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to pick apart things here, but you know, he is coming back from what was a pretty scary injury, apparently. Right. And I mean, I right. would love for him to be the leader, but you know, and then you talked about wide receivers. Um, look, I think wide receivers can be. A, a leaders as a group, meaning, you know, the ride outs. I mean, that foursome, they were like a collective hive mind of leaders. Like they just didn't drop the ball. They, they always made the play. But if you only have one receiver that makes the play and he knows he's the show, by definition, wide receivers generally have the bigger egos. It's very tough for them to make it translate to, hey, you know, uh, follow my lead here. They 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 don't understand why why aren't you as good as me? You know I'm awesome. Why can't you be like me? And like Bryce Young last year, I think he was the epitome of. And and by the way, I still think Bryce Young's the best player in Alabama history. I love him. I'll never say a bad word about him. And I'm not saying this is a bad word about him. I'm saying that he was a he could lead the team to water, but he couldn't make it drink. And we need somebody like Orlando McLean say, "You gonna drink that water, damn it!" And um. I think that's what we needed last year. But, Jimmy, right now, I need to tell everybody about Built Bar. Built Bar, you know these things are delicious. They're nutritious. They're scrump delicious. Scrump delicious is a word I think I might have come up with for these because I had to come up with something new because they're so good. Look, if you're looking for a delicious treat, then you want to try Built Bar. That's if you don't want to get all chunked up. That's not what you want to do. You know, you, you're in the middle of your New Year's resolution or your February resolution or your post-Valentine's resolution, whatever it is. Go get you a Built Bar, and you can have flavors like churro or peanut butter brownie or coconut almond. They got all these and a ton more. And you can pick them up at Walmart now. You can pick them up at Sam's Club now. You can pick them up at Amazon. You can go to Built.com. All these things, all these places, all these avenues for you to go get these delicious Built Bars, you want to go, there's no excuse not to have one. They are really a great value and they taste delicious, covered in 100% real chocolate. You just can't beat them. We, they've been a sponsor forever. They send us to Jimmy and me and we scarf them down like they have the antidote in them because they're delicious. They're awesome. They just taste, they don't taste like something that's good for you. They taste like something that's just plain good. So go to Built. 
Amazon.com or go to Sam's Club, go to Walmart, go to Amazon and get you a built bar today. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Also want to thank the people over at Locked On College Basketball. They're a ton of fun right now. Um, Alabama did just move down the AP poll to number two, Jimmy, unfortunately. And I'm sure they'll talk about that. And we're going to talk about it right now. Uh, Alabama does move down to number two in the AP poll. I think it's – I mean, okay, fine. You want to put Houston there? I get it. I do. I understand. I do I do get it because Houston did win. Uh, they beat Memphis. And they, they only have two losses. We have four losses, even though we beat Houston. I'm really okay with this because I like – I think there's a value to being number two versus number one. We already get the the benefit of having been a number one team again this year. And we get – to have a chip on our shoulder, like, oh, you know, everybody loves us play that you don't respect us card, and we get to do that again now. We're 23 and four, 13 and one in the SEC. We've got um, a really, really manageable schedule coming up, uh, with the exception to me of at Texas AM last game of the year. Alabama plays at South Carolina on Wednesday, should beat the brakes off of them. They're not very good. They did go to LSU and win this weekend, or I think it was LSU. Um, in a battle of games that nobody could possibly watch unless you're you're torturing uh, for information. And then we've got Arkansas Wednesday. That's a one o'clock game. You know, I've been wondering if like game day would come to that or something. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I just found it interesting that they never announced the time. And now they I think the time's at one o'clock on Saturday now. Um, and I think it is on ESPN or ESPN2. I'm not claiming game day's coming. I just wish they would come. I think it'd be fun. Um, then, of course, we play uh, we play Auburn at home. Going to need a good crowd for that senior night. Now, if we win these three, those three games, no matter what Texas A&M does, the best thing they can do is tie us for the regular season championship. That's awesome. I, that's fine. I still would prefer Texas A&M drop one of these other games so we go into the A&M game uh, unquestioned, undisputed number one SEC win the championship, hoist the crown, the whole deal. Um, hoist the crown. I guess you pick up a crown, but hoist the trophy. You can hoist, I mean. you can hoist it. Um, sure. And what now? You can hoist it. Feel feel free to hoist the next crown you see. Um, I don't see many. And then a couple other just odd and Alabama things. Uh, I, I hadn't watched a lot of softball yet because, I mean, I'm not going to watch softball till the end. But I did see some of the Alabama-Florida State game yesterday. Alabama uh, ended up beating Florida State. They lost to UCLA, who's now the new number one team in the country. And uh, Alabama moves up number six in the softball poll. So, I mean, things are going pretty well on that front. Baseball-wise, they sweep Richmond. Okay, it's Richmond. They're not very good. Okay, I've seen us lose a bunch of these games. So, we start out 3-0. and I dig it. Yeah, go uh, in reverse baseball. Hey, you know, it – just because you beat the crap out of Richmond for three days, that doesn't make you a great team. That doesn't mean you can't look at what Alabama did over the weekend and go, wow, Alabama's got a great team this year. 
because it's Richmond, uh, who, who was a 500 team a year ago, 500 overall and in, in, in their conference games, roughly 500. But if Alabama is a great baseball team, then they would have looked like what this weekend looked like. I mean, that, that looks like what a great team looks like. Um, again, too early to get too excited. Uh, a lot of the same names from last year back. The pitching was great. The hitting was great. Um, it'll be more interesting, obviously, when they play a higher, um, you know, degree of difficulty game. Uh, I know they got Tennessee Tech, who's actually a little better in Richmond Tuesday and UT Martin on Wednesday. Uh, and then I think they go to Pepperdine next weekend, which is I don't think Pepperdine is super great. But gosh, what a trip and literally flying to the edge of the United States. <clears throat> so that'll be interesting. Softball, I've watched it all. Uh, I've watched or listened to every inning so far of the season. Uh, what an unbelievable performance by yesterday. I, I thought she really re-emphasized her position in Alabama softball history. I thought it was an historical performance, even for her, a complete game, give up one run to Florida State, who's a legitimate national championship type team. Uh, we beat uh, their great pitcher, who's an All-American. Their pitcher, who's a senior like Montana, actually has a better one-loss record than Montana Fouts in her career. Uh, Catherine, she, she's 81-9 and nine going into yesterday, which is just nuts, and Alabama wins the game. So 4-1 uh, and one in Clearwater against that uh, against that field announces Alabama as, well, looks like they're a contender again. I mean, that's, that's how good that win was. And basketball, Luke, I know we fell from one to two in the AP poll today, but look, Saturday morning, the NCAA tournament selection committee said Alabama's our number one overall seed as of right now. That time, all we've done is beat Georgia by a million points. And then Wednesday, I think we're very likely to win easily on the road Wednesday. So when we hear from the tournament selection committee again next Saturday morning, it makes no sense that Alabama would fall because we've done nothing but win since since we were number one and no one else has beaten, you know, some big top five team on the road or something that would cause them to leapfrog Alabama. So I think we're going to be number one again next Saturday in the only poll, if you want to call it that, that really counts. And that's where you're seated by the NCAA selection committee. So all, uh, all, all good to me. Yeah, and um, I'm with you. I, I, I was kind of disappointed that we still didn't stay number one. It would have been cool, but oh well. Uh, and the committee does have us number one, which is certainly immensely more important. Jimmy, we're going to tell everybody about um, LinkedIn now, but when we come back, I want to talk about some issue rule changes potentially for college football that may shorten the game. But, of course, I need to tell you about LinkedIn. You know how good LinkedIn. LinkedIn's is just awesome. Uh, if you need somebody for your business, and you probably do, we all are looking for people right now. Um, there was an advertisement yesterday on a major broadcast, and I forget which company it was for, which tells you it probably wasn't a good job of marketing. But it was like, hey, we're hiring right now. Oh, it's Progressive. Progressive Insurance. They're like, we're hiring right now. I was like, I've never seen a national brand um, advertise that they're hiring on a national broadcast before. I thought that was just bizarre. Uh, and it tells you that, you know, everybody's looking for good qualified candidates. Um, and as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. LinkedIn Jobs can help you find the team members you need and can help find them faster. LinkedIn Jobs is the absolute 
go-to if you need to find somebody to fill positions in your company. I'm telling you, they do everything right, and they've just got a, a cornucopia of people to choose from. One of them will fit your needs. There's no doubt about it. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and helps you find them faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions may, and they bet they will, apply. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Jimmy, I want to talk about some of the uh, potential rule changes. And this comes, again, from our friend Joseph Hastings, or actually from Alex Weber. Uh, or is it Weber? I guess it's Weber. Alex Weber? Uh, over know. at own three. Oh, oh. Who is actually oh, piggybacking off. Oh, we call him Alex. Okay. Alex Dub. Um According to Ross Dallinger of Sports Illustrated, college football could be making some changes to shorten the length of games. Okay, before I get into these, let me go ahead and say I'm pro that. I'm pro shortening the games. I mean, because the games are long doesn't necessarily mean it's more football. I mean, I'm for condensing the games. Now, and again, before I get into these, the way I think the natural way to do this is say, let's have fewer TV timeouts. I know TV money drives the whole train. I know we all need TV money, but could they not have fewer commercials and charge more for the commercials they have? I think that could work. I'm I'm not very smart, but I think that could work. Now, otherwise, though, here are some of the ideas that they have come up with. Uh, the non-controversial proposals, I'm reading this straight from the article, include prohibiting consecutive timeouts, i.e. icing the kickers. I'm for that. I hate consecutive yeah. timeouts. I, I hate agree. Okay. I agree. I think that's a no-brainer. I think that's a no-brainer. the nature of a timeout. Yep. It's a, mis a misuse of the rule, to be honest. Correct. The other non-controversial proposal is no longer extending a first or third quarter for an untimed down if the quarter ends on a defensive penalty. Okay, that's also seems like hey, not a bad idea. However, however, it's not it happens so infrequently that's not going to help a ton. It's not. I'm fine with doing it because who ca who cares? Sure, it's not going to change a thing. But go ahead. I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, yes, pass that rule, and it's not going to shorten. But maybe two out of the seven hundred games, seven hundred thousand right. games. Yeah. And the third proposal that is apparently garnering wide support, the clock will continue to run after an offense gains a first down, except inside of the two minutes of a half. In a more controversial fourth proposal, the clock will continue to run after an incomplete pass once the ball is spotted for play. I hate that fourth one. Even in the NFL, um, you stop the clock on incompletion. I mean, because – when you spike the ball to stop the clock, if the official's right there and he just puts it right back, that doesn't help anything. So I think you, I don't. I hate the incompletion. So I, let's take that one off the table. Okay, what what I do hate, 
I don't I don't know if I hate or love the inside the two minutes thing. The reason I don't like that is um I don't like the idea, even though it may be inherently true, that the final two minutes of the game are more important than the first two minutes of the game. I think it's all a grand scheme. It's it's sort of like people saying, um, oh, well, this team got hot late in the season. Now their non-conference sucked. They they stunk. They lost six quad four games. But, you know, they won their last 12 contests. They should easily be in the NCAA tournament. I'm like, no, they they played those games and they stunk. (laughs) And and they should be punished for that in some regard. So I, I don't like that necessarily. And it also seems like it's more of the NFLification of the college football game, which scares the crap out of me. Um, but I will give the NFL this. Their games are – they pretty much finish on time. I mean, right. they start at noon. They're over somewhere between 3 and 3.15, and then the next game starts. In college, they start at 3.30. They might be over by 6.30. It might be 7.15. And this is with no overtime. And then you got to get home, and it's a pain in the butt, and there are a bunch of other games you want to see. Yeah, I don't like the NFL location. The NFL location of college either, Luke. I'm not a fan of that at all. Uh, and I, I don't like it. But for this reason, I do like it. And that is, yes, doing what the clock seems to work for them. Because NFL games are not too long. I watch college games and I think the game is too long and I watch NFL games and I'm like, this is perfect. So it's just clock rules. It's just clock rules. And and I I think whatever the NFL is doing with their clock is good enough for me. And I don't know what all those rules are, to be honest. I mean, in terms of, I mean, I know the clock doesn't stop when you make a first down fine. Okay. I think that will speed up the game and I'm fine with it. I mean, it can't be that hard to get the chains lined up quickly uh, that's why they call a timeout in the college game. Give the line crew a chance to get the chains lined up. And while we're even really using chains when we could use GPS as an, another show, I guess. But regardless of that, whatever the NFL is doing with the clock should work for college football. And it definitely they definitely have a quicker, more manageable game. Now, college games are still going to be longer because of the style of football. That's why the game college now has a style of play that lengthens the game mostly because of all of the passing and, uh, and and the clock stoppage. So whatever the NFL is doing, I'm all for copying when it comes to the clock. That's just my personal view. I do think the college games run a little long. This also isn't a national emergency. It seems to me that when college football works really hard on stuff like this, they should be working on something else because – is this really is this really the big problem? I agree that it is a problem. Uh, I, I think people would prefer that football be in kind of a three-hour and fifteen-minute window. You know that the blowouts are three hours and close games are three hours and fifteen minutes because it's exciting at the end and, and we're not in a big hurry for that to be over. Right when it's twenty-nine to twenty-eight and there's a minute and a half left, who's going? This has gone on for way too long. The games we're complaining about really are, are games where the game's decided, but it's still almost four hours because it's 50 to 32. And, you know, there's been a thousand passes and 1,200 yards and all the stuff that me and Nick Saban complain about. 
I know you thought I was muted. I wasn't. I, well, I was muted, but I was trying my best to get my mouse over the mute button, and uh, I was muted. I'm sorry. I don't know why I told that lie, and I couldn't get away with it. So I, I just tried. assumed you were just wrapped attention hanging on my every word, which is totally understandable. So I understand most of the South is. You wanted you you left me wanting more, Jimmy, and I was just stunned that you were. My doing game's it. too short. My game's too short. My game should last longer, but this is all I got. Fifty-three years old now. Fifty-four. Now fifty-three. Just turned fifty-three. Well, congratulations on you. Oh, thank you. Um, okay, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in so much. We will be back tomorrow with more Locked On Bama. Please hit that subscribe button. And until then, roll tide, everybody. Roll tide. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 